There's an outline in the bulletin provided uh, for you if you'd like to follow along in the sermon, uh, have notes or whatever. Well, our passage continues very much from last week. When any sermon passage begins with the word, therefore, you know it has something to do with the previous week and the previous verses in the passage. See, last week, Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He was speaking against the danger of having too many things, too many things. And this week, he says, do not be anxious about what you have. So he's speaking to the concern of having too few So last week, too many that we try to store them up, and this week, our fear that we may have too few things. So if you would, open up your Bibles. We'll be in the Sermon on the Mount again. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and we'll be looking at the end of chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. So that's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Matthew 6. Verses 25 through 34, as we hear the words of Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is faithful, it is true. You have preserved it for generations and generations so that you can speak clearly to us, that there is power in your word. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that your word would go forth in power, not my power, but your power. Use me in spite of myself and allow the word to go forth in spirit and truth and open our hearts and minds to receive it, that we would hear Jesus speaking to us today and that we would grow closer to you in his name. Amen. So we're looking today at worry and anxiety, fear about having not enough. What I want us to see today is that our Father's loving care should give us the faith to not worry so that we can be fruitful for his kingdom. 
That we should not worry about the future so that we can be fruitful for his kingdom today. We should reflect on our Father's loving care as we think about our worries. So I want us to ask three questions of our passage today. What is worry? How do we know when we're just thinking about something and when we're actually worrying about something? So what is worry? And then what are our worries? He's talking here about food, water, and clothing. Is that what we're worried about or are we worried about different things? So what are our worries? And then finally, what is the cure to worry? Jesus very rarely says, don't do that, without telling us how not to do that and why not to do that. So what is the cure for our worry? Well, first, what is worry? Jesus is dealing with anxiety and worry in this passage. He mentions it at the very beginning. Do not be anxious. He mentions it in each of the examples from nature about the birds and the flowers. He says, do not be anxious. He mentions it again a number of times. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. So what kind of worry is Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus is not talking about anxiety disorders, especially those with root causes in our genetics, our biology, or traumas that we might have faced in the past. That's not what Jesus is speaking about. He is not a psychologist here. Jesus is not speaking about phobias for those of us anxious about speaking in front of people, like Olivia did today. For those of us anxious about flying, getting on a plane, and we just sit there, we're just trembling the whole time. That's not the anxiety that Jesus is speaking of here. He's dealing with our anxiety and worry about the basic needs in life. Food, water, which he groups under food, and clothing. And when we look at the previous passage, we can understand why Jesus needed to say, therefore, do not be anxious. He had just told them, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Well, we store, if we're not storing things up, then what if we don't have enough? We're going to end up being anxious. We're going to end up worrying whether or not we have enough. And so Jesus is here trying to calm us down and say, do not be anxious. I know I told you not to store these things up, but it's okay. That doesn't mean you're going to live a life of anxiety. Okay. But then again, how do we know that we're worried We need to have stuff. Jesus is not saying never think about food and never think about clothing. Jesus does not say here, don't worry about ever eating. God will keep you alive without food. Okay? So people who like food, rejoice. We get to eat food. Okay? Jesus is not here saying, just be naked. You'll be taken care of. He is not saying that. Okay? The police will take care of you if you try and go around naked all over the place, okay? And then God will take care of you after the police take care of you. That's not what he's saying here. So how do we know when our normal thinking and concern, oh, I have to make something for dinner tonight. Oh, I have to get dressed today. How do we know when that becomes worry? How do we know when that becomes a sinful anxiety that Jesus is telling us not to do? Well, we look at his first example that he gives us of the birds of the air. Here's what Jesus says. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Notice again, the 
Birds don't sit on tree branches with their mouths open, waiting for God to providentially drop worms and seeds into their mouths, okay? He's not saying don't think about it ever. Birds actually have to go and find feeders other than ours, because ours are empty, and find where food is. They need to go and actually find the food. They don't just sit there and wait for God to deliver it to them. But birds don't get anxious, you know, in their birdhouse, they don't have a pantry full of all the stuff they found. At least I don't, I haven't been in the birdhouse before. I'm assuming Jesus knows nature, and he's saying they don't have storehouses where they live. Birds don't get anxious. They just go get the food and go about their day. And then he adds something at the end, saying, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? That's what he's getting at with anxiety there. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a commentator on the Sermon on the Mount, a 20th century English pastor, says this, that you can tell worry and anxiety when you are crippled in the present because of concern for the future. When you are crippled in the present because of concern for the future. A famous illustration of what worry is, is that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. It's fun. It really does occupy your time, but there's really no point unless you have a baby in your arms, and then you're doing more than just sitting in a rocking chair. That's what Jesus is saying here, that worry is unproductive. He says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? He's saying, what benefit do you get from worrying about things? If the farmer goes out and plants his crops and comes inside and sits there and goes, oh man, I hope they grow, I hope they grow, I hope they grow. Does that help them grow? No! Thank you! We're getting a little Pentecostal today. I like it. It's good. No, it doesn't help them grow. Not at all. Your anxiety profits you nothing. That worry, all it is, it's a kind of self-directed prayer. That instead of bringing your concerns to God, who can actually help, you bring them to yourself to fret over, to think about, to play out worst-case scenarios. What if the crops don't grow? What if animals come in and just dig everything up? What if there's a bad storm? What if it's a drought? What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And we get worried and anxious, and it profits us nothing. All it does is occupy us. It cripples us, and it doesn't help. That's what Jesus gets at in verses 31 through 33. This is what Jesus says. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. To seek something implies an intense, single-minded focus. And Jesus is saying that anxiety moves our single-minded focus onto things we can't control. And we begin to focus on unproductive fretting. He's saying that's what the Gentiles do. Gentiles as in non-believers. People who do not believe in God. And yet he's speaking to believers, to his disciples. He's saying that's what they do. Don't be like them because you have something different. 
Christians should not be anxious about these things because Christians are seeking after something else. The kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And Jesus says, God will take care of all those other things when your focus is on this. That that's what Christians are to concern themselves for. That we are not to sit in the rocking chair of worry, but we are to get up and to get out and seek his kingdom and righteousness, knowing that God's got it taken care of. Now, does that mean we never buy food? No. Does that mean we never save money? No. It means anxiety. That there is a difference between normal concern and anxiety and worry. And you can tell the difference when you ask yourself, Am I crippled by my concern? Am I so focused on these things that I can't do anything else? So that's what worry is. But what are our worries? See, Jesus was speaking nearly 2,000 years ago to disciples and followers of his. And he spoke to them about their worries of food, of water, and of clothing. But what about us? Is that what we worry about? See, there may be some of us in this room who are worried where their next meal will come from. That they are worried about food for tonight or tomorrow. And not just in a, I hope it's enough for our big family gathering, but literally, do I have anything on my plate? But I'm guessing that most of us in this room, that's not our worry. I'm guessing our worry goes beyond that, that we're not worrying about having food for today, clothing for today. Our worries often go beyond these basic needs. We worry about other things, like the kind of food we have. Is this food healthy enough? Is it organic? Is it made with the right ingredients? Is it locally sourced, hormone-free, gluten-free, fat-free, sugar-free, food-free, Whatever else. Will our children eat this food? Will our spouse eat this food? Does it fit with my diet? Didn't we just have that yesterday? Yeah, we did. Those are our anxieties about food. At least for a lot of us. We worry about the kind of clothing we have. Is this outfit appropriate for this occasion? Which shoes go with this outfit? I probably don't even have shoes for this outfit. I need to go buy more shoes. Is this gear warm enough for the winter activities, whether skiing or hunting or other things? How do these clothes make me look? Those are our anxieties, our concerns. They go beyond our basic needs. And our New Testament reading shows us that Jesus understands that people have anxiety about things that are not basic needs. He says to Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things. Like Martha, we can be anxious about many things. And you know what? Satan does not care what you are anxious about. He doesn't care what has crippled your thoughts. All he, does, all he cares about is that you're not thinking about God. That you're not thinking about God's kingdom and his righteousness. So he doesn't care if you're worried about how that dress makes you look. He doesn't care if you're worried about what kind of food you're going to eat today. All he cares is that you're not thinking about God and that you're worried and crippled for today because of concerns about these things. So our worries go along about many, many things. In fact, 
we are so used to having worry that we tend to give off the impression that we don't want our worry to go away. Dr. Lloyd-Jones says this as well, that many people who are worried seem to not want to be relieved of that worry. And Martha's kind of like that, if you notice. Martha has a kind of pride about her worry, that I care more about hospitality than my sister, that I'm the one who's doing the right thing here. You need to fix her, that my worry is actually a very good thing, showing how much of a good person I am. Do we wear our anxiety as a weird badge of honor? Yeah, it's my man. It's my amen, amen crew. Do we have a similar pride about our worries? I bet we do. That there are some anxieties that we are proud of. That I worry about the designer clothes that I wear. I worry about the healthiness of the food I eat. I worry about these things. I, am, I have such a, a nice life in a sense that I can worry about these things. There's a pride to that kind of worry. So what does Jesus say to people like that, to people like us, who are worried about things that aren't the basics? Well, at the beginning of our passage, Jesus says this, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Hmm. If Jesus is saying, don't worry about food, because there is more to life than food, then who are we to worry about the kind of food and have anxiety about that? If he is saying that these most basic things, food, water, clothing on our backs should not be worried about, then who do we think we are that we should worry about these less important things? Jesus is saying that life is more important than food. You know, there's those places in the Bible where you're like, I wish he didn't say that. Like, I love food. Life is more important than food. It's more important than water. It's more important than clothing. But he's saying life is even more basic than that. And the frightening thing, what causes us to worry is that life, at its most basic and fundamental, is out of our control. Our worry shows our desire to control every detail of our lives, but what Jesus is saying is your life, the fact that you are alive, is not in your control. (laughs) Yes, it is. I'm a 21st century American. My life is under my control. Okay. Someone who eats only healthy foods and exercises running six miles a day trying to make sure they live a long and happy life, they can still die in a car accident at a young age. They've done everything they can to protect themselves, wore their seatbelt, had a safe car. They can still die in a car accident. Was their life under their control? Their food was. Their cool exercise gear was. Their car was. Their lifestyle choices were. And yet, life was not. We have all these kids in the church. The most carefully protected child is not guaranteed a safe, happy, and long life. We can do everything we can to protect them, to vaccinate them, to train them, to teach them their phone number, to send them off to school ready to go. Their life is not in our control. 
All of our fretful concern about the future cannot guarantee the preservation of life. Jesus is saying, I know the root of your worry. It's that life is not in your control, and you do everything you can to try and control it. And it's because you don't trust God. You don't trust him to provide for you. You try to protect yourself against what might happen in the future. We imagine all kinds of ways that things can go wrong. This can happen. That can happen. This can happen. And we try to protect ourselves against all of those possibilities. And so we're anxious about having enough food, clothing, whatever it is. We're anxious about being secure and protecting our future, putting treasures up on earth. And we live as though we are trying to provide for ourselves and protect our lives Because we're not sure God's going to do it. And we end up crippling ourselves in the present because we're concerned about the future. We are so busy trying to protect what might happen that we're not thinking about what is happening. And Jesus is saying that's not the way it's supposed to be. And so he gives us a cure for worry that gets to the root of our concerns. And he says it in our second example from nature. He says this, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus always chooses his words carefully. He doesn't speak off, you know, saying anything and everything. He chooses what he's going to say. And we have in Scripture what he's chosen to say. And the phrase, O you of little faith, stands out and it cuts deep. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. The whole Sermon on the Mount is not directed to people who may or may not believe. It is directed to God's people. And he is saying, O you of little faith. You have faith, but it's little. What does he mean? Well, Christians can trust God to save them from their sins, to save their souls. And yet at the same time, we don't trust him for daily things. Our saving faith may not translate itself into a daily faith in God's provision for us. And that seems ridiculous when you think about it. Because if you were to ask really anyone, what sounds harder to you? Um, Saving us from the wrath of God against our sinful rebellion? Dinner. Hmm. I feel like the one seems way, way harder than the other one. And yet we are so quick to like, of course I trust Jesus for this, but man, I'm worried about this. And so if that's the case, if it is a daily trust that we're struggling with, then we must war against worrying. We must daily be fighting this sinful nature to worry. And we do that through faith. That worry is always a failure to grasp and apply our faith. In other words, we have to let our saving faith shape our daily lives. And one way we do that is by acknowledging each day that God's got it in control. And we are here because of him. And Jesus did that earlier in chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer where he taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
In other words, we ask God each day for the things we need that day. See, our sinful natures are always worried about having enough and being cared for. And so what we would prefer is, Lord, give us this lifetime, everything we could possibly need so I don't need to pray to you again. May I have that right now? Thank you. And then we could just like go to the closet where we have that stored and just pick it up because we know it's right there. He's already given it to us. And yet Jesus says daily we ask for what we need that day. Because when we store it up and don't want to ask each day, often it is an expression of our lack of faith. That we don't trust him each day. After all, what child goes to their parents and says, may I have my weekly ration of food? So that I know I have it just in case like three days from now you're feeling like not giving me food? What kid does that? Children know to trust their parents. their sinful parents. Shouldn't Christians know to trust their father, their heavenly father? See, we receive grace each day because each day has its own unique troubles. That's why Jesus gives us verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus doesn't want us to be crippled by anxiety about tomorrow because you got enough on your plate today. Now, again, this doesn't mean we don't make grocery lists and plan our food for the week. This doesn't mean we never save money. This doesn't mean we can put food in our freezers for a later date. It's a concern and anxiety that cripples us. Jesus wants our focus to be more on the present because spending too much fretting about the future makes us unproductive for today. And it is only when we trust God to provide for our future that we can be productive today. It's funny how Jesus mentioned Solomon in this passage. That was our Old Testament reading because Solomon did something very similar in our Old Testament passage. Solomon could have asked God for anything. He was just starting out as a king, and he was a kid too, young. He could have asked for anything, and yet he asked for wisdom to govern the kingdom with righteousness, knowing good from evil. So instead of asking for wealth, for long life, for the heads of his enemies, you know, good stuff like that, he asks for wisdom to govern with justice and righteousness. Solomon, like a child, knew that if God chose him to be king, he would be provided for. And it was more important for him to focus on ruling his people well than it was for him to prepare for the future. Because if you don't rule your people well, what future would he have? And so we read in 1 Kings 3 that not only did God give him that wisdom, but he gave him all of those other things as well. Boy, that sounds a lot like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Boy, that sounds almost identical right there. See, if God has breathed life into us, will he not to con- continue to preserve that life as long as he desires? Will he not care for his children and allow our lives, even if they don't go according to plan, allow them to be used for his kingdom? See, when our faith is in him, our focus is no longer tied to what ifs. Instead, we get to change the questions we ask. Our questions no longer are, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? But how can I help? How can I serve? 
How can I grow closer to God? How can I live a righteous life in God's strength? Oh, you of little faith, trust that God will provide for you today, tomorrow, and the next day. You see, we can trust in this God because God has shown himself trustworthy and willing to give us good things. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he has given us his son, will he not give us the rest? Think of what you've been given in Jesus. We have been given his righteous life, his perfect holiness, so that when we stand before God, it is not in our filthy rags of righteousness. It is in his beautiful robes of perfection that we can stand before God's judgment and be accepted. We have been given the death of Christ to atone for our sins. We don't have to worry about punishment for what we've done wrong and gone away from God, that it has been paid for. That is a gift. We have been given hope of eternal life in his resurrection. We have been given that as a gift If we have been given all those things, will God not provide food for tomorrow? Will he not provide clothing for you? Will he not provide for you as long as he has you here until he calls you home? If God has done so much for us spiritually, can he not also do it physically here on earth? Christians, God did not send his son to come and save the birds of the air. He did not send Jesus to die on the cross for the flowers of the field, as pretty as they are. He came for you. He came for you because he loves you and wanted to bring you into his family. Will he not care for his children once they are in his family? So repent of your sinful anxiety and worrying. Repent of your desire to control the future. Repent of the ways that you have crippled yourself for the present by worrying about the future. Repent of your little faith and trust in the God who is faithful. See him and all he has done for you and let him strengthen your faith so that you can be used today for his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that he has your future in his hands. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we give thanks for the ways you have blessed us in Jesus. And I pray that you would help us all not to worry. Not to be anxious and worry about all of the things that could go wrong in this life. Lord, give us an imagination for what can go right. Let us ponder your goodness and how you might answer our prayers and take care of us and use us for your kingdom. How you might grow us even through difficult times to be closer to you. Lord, help us to trust in you to trust in you like your very own children. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.